الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى وقال تعالى وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع الغرور صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen brothers and sisters every person is very desirous of peace of happiness this is the bottom line that everybody is wanting everyone is chasing after that happiness ask any person that do you want to be sad nobody wants to be sad do you want to be happy yes everybody wants to be happy people do various things in life apart from the kind of work that they do people do all kinds of things to entertain themselves when the weekends come people in advance are planning so many things what they are going to do, where they are going to go. Sometimes the things that they plan are very costly. The money that they worked so hard for, that is now spent for whatever they will now be engaged in, where they will go, what they will do. But if you ask the person that, you are spending so much of money to do this. What is the purpose? What is the bottom line? What you want to achieve out of this? So if the answer is that I don't know, then that will be very foolish. There has to be something that's an objective there. There is something that's the purpose. If a person is spending so much of time, so much of effort, so much of money is being spent, and the person doesn't know what I want out of it, then that's very foolish. One is that the person is going to be investing in something, so you got an investment here. There's nothing to be invested in. The person is going to go on some kind of holiday, for example, or going to go to some kind of, well, entertain themselves in some way or the other. We are obviously going to confine it to some way in a halal manner, not in a haram manner. But people do all kinds of things. But what is the bottom line? When they go for that purpose, they don't come back with anything tangible, anything material, something that they can hold, we bought this and came or bought that, yes, whatever, some things a person might buy, but that was a secondary thing. So what did the person go for? Or what did they engage in that activity for? It was to try and feel happy. That's the bottom line, to feel happy. If a person knew beforehand, somebody offered them a holiday, this holiday it's an overseas destination and it's a one week holiday, seven days, seven nights in a five star hotel with all the facilities and all the amenities and all whatever else and the price that seven days for 70 rands including the airfare. I see maybe this person who put up this holiday, something is wrong with him. 70 rands for 70 days, uh, for 7 days 
at that to an overseas destination, including the FA. This person is a, not two, but many bob short maybe. Where you get that? So, that is not something that uh, you will hear anywhere that somebody did that. But what is the issue here is that supposing if such a thing was there, but together with that, there's one one clause somewhere. The one clause is that the guarantee in this holiday is that there's going to be a lot of difficulty. It's all five star and everything, but you're going to be having problems all the way. And you're going to end up being very sad. It's 70 rands. The person will say, forget paying 70 rands for seven days in a five star hotel, in a luxury resort somewhere, but where there's a guarantee of being sad, where there's a guarantee of being miserable when you finish off from there. He says, forget paying 70 rands. If you pay me 7,000 rands for it too, I don't want it. If you pay me 7,000 rands too, I'm not interested in that. Because what must I pay for misery for? Why must I go and pay even 70 rands? Why must I even take money, 7,000 rands, to become miserable? That doesn't make sense. So the bottom line in it all is that a person is looking for happiness. That's it. If somebody is going somewhere, they're looking for happiness. Somebody is buying some item of some sort, like some luxury item, they want happiness out of it. Somebody is buying some luxury food. It's not just for the sake of now buying the thing. It's they want some happiness. Unfortunately, people buy things not even to eat nowadays. They're buying it for all other kinds of things. Somebody mentioned people go to some upmarket restaurants, which are selling some kind of exclusive things, some kind of exclusive, very, very exclusive desserts, for example. I do have no idea what the reality of this is, but or how these things work. So they buy something that one kind of dessert now might be, for example, several hundred rands. Now the person can't even eat much of it because it's too rich and it will cause the person to get fat, must be, whatever. So then they go, they buy it, and then they have a few spoons of it, and then what they, the whole story there is, that then the person must now take a picture of that, and put it on social media, to say, I was there also. So now what is this? Now they wasted that money, it's a sheer waste, but now what are they doing it for? They are doing it for happiness. What kind of happiness? That now when my picture will go around, that also obviously to take these pictures is haram, but now, this is there, that to, my picture will go around, people will see, oh really, this person went there, and he's also somebody. So now they feel they got some kind, this is such a hollow thing, such a shallow thing, such a futile thing, but this is how, unfortunately, people think in this manner, that people will now think great of me, I'll gain some recognition. And now the thought of that recognition they got, they feel that that will make them happier. That now I have gained some recognition. Now these are all futile things, but again the same message in the whole thing is that the motivation behind it is the person is looking for some kind of happiness. Now that happiness is sometimes completely misplaced. There is no happiness in it, but the person is just in the figment of the imagination that this will bring some kind of happiness for me. So now they do all kinds of 
crazy thing sometimes. People are, they'll spend huge amounts of money to do futile things just to make themselves happy in some way. That happiness too because they think in their minds that people will think something good about them. Or they co- conducted a function in a certain manner and they did the deco in a certain style. So now people will really praise them for it and think great of them. So they'll feel happy within their hearts. Oh, people all thought great about us. Whereas all that is just on the surface, people praise on the surface and behind the backs they, turn, they talk ill about them, that how much money these people wasted. So that's another subject on its own. What we are talking about is, people do all these kinds of things for what? For happiness. But is the happiness really in there? That's the question. How many people have really gained happiness in any of these things? It is sometimes a surface kind of happiness. People think they've gained some happiness in it, but then they come out worse off. They started off at a certain point and they come out worse off. So, where's the happiness? So, the happiness cannot be found where it is not kept. Happiness cannot be found where it is not there. For example, a person wants to find gold. So now he wants to find gold, he wants to dig out gold, so somebody told him that, you see there's one coal mine, charcoal coal, there's a coal mine somewhere, so maybe you can go and dig there, you might find gold. So now he goes to the coal mine and he's digging for gold. So somebody wants diamonds, so now they told him, well you see, you want diamonds, so... You can come, there's one, uh, you know, the sand pit. Where, now, for building sand now, there's a pit now, they dig out that sand and then they supply that sand. So say, well, you know what, Kimberley is so far away, Kimberley Diamond Mine, they won't even allow you there. Come and try and fi- dig for the diamonds there in the sand pit. So now somebody says, now, okay, he's going to the sand pit to dig for diamonds. So he's only going to find sand there, there's no diamonds there. The diamonds are in the diamond mine. And in the coal mine, he'll get, he'll come out with his hands black of coal, all muddied and dirtied with coal, but he won't get one dent of coal also there, one, one small fraction of iota of coal, uh, gold. Gold will be in the gold mine. And in the coal mine, he'll get coal. And in the sand pit, he'll get sand, he won't get diamonds. Even if from far in the sun, it might look like it's something shining there, when he gets there, it'll be only diamonds. From far, it'll be just a deception. So here also, the same thing applies, that the happiness, happiness is something in the heart. That is the seat of happiness. And happiness comes in the heart when Allah Ta'ala puts it there. Happiness doesn't come in any other way. Outwardly, a person might feel something which he thinks is happiness. But if it is not happiness in reality, that's a deception. If a person is eating something and it feels sweet, it feels sweet somehow because there's a some kind of sugar coating on it, but if inside that sugar coating is something very bitter, something very harmful, so he might think he's enjoying something, but what's going to be the end result? For that short mile, for the little bit of that time that it was on his tongue, he felt some kind of little bit of sweetness, but that's it, that's where it gets cut off, it's just on the surface, that sweetness is just on the surface, under the surface is just 
than the bitterness. But if that was sweet from top to bottom, completely to the core of it, it's sweet, then the more he will keep chewing on it, the more he will feel the sweetness of it. And here in the first instance, it's just on the surface. So likewise, happiness, happiness is what Allah Ta'ala blesses, what is to the core happiness. Not just the deception of happiness on the surface. And where does this happiness come from? This happiness comes from that which Allah Ta'ala has placed it in. Happiness doesn't come from anything else. It will come where Allah Ta'ala has placed it. Now people want happiness. Among the things where happiness is to be found is contentment. If a person is content, they'll be happy. And if a person is not content, then you can give the person the whole world also, they still won't be happy. It'll be just that surface happiness when something else came. But the next day they are again unhappy. So for that short while, like something just on the surface, a little bit of excitement, but then now you're on a bigger low, or the deeper low, because now, this too now, finished now, I got already one day out of it, I want something else now. So as a result, the person is continuously in this same cycle, and there's always a feeling of emptiness within, there's always a vacuum, there's always something that's missing inside, and the person is now never at peace, never happy. Obviously, this contentment, qana'at, this stems out of iman. So the person's iman is in order, the true contentment will come out of iman. So a person is number one content in the sense that the person has is content that my deen is the best thing for me. I don't need to look out of this for anything. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says, Man radiya billahi rabba. The person who is pleased and is happy with Allah Ta'ala being his Rabb and with Islam being his deen and with Muhammad Sallallahu being his Nabi then he has tasted Iman. al Iman. That person has tasted the sweetness of Iman. Now he's tasted it. But what it required? This contentment. In this context, the contentment is that he is totally at peace with the commands of Allah Ta'ala. And he's not looking for anything outside. Because this is the best thing he has. So he's totally content with this. This is for me. And likewise, Islam, there's nothing I need which is not here. And there's nothing outside which can be good for me. What Allah Ta'ala has given in this deen, that's the best thing for me. And he's totally content with that. And whatever Rasulullah has brought, that is it. He doesn't need to go out of that at all. The sunnah way of Rasulullah, that's the best thing in life for him. Now this is also the first step of that contentment. And from this contentment, then this steps forth all the further aspects of contentment. So the most essential level of contentment is this. This is the foundation. If this foundation is missing, there will still be a problem in anything else too. So now he's contented himself that I don't need to look out at all. I have everything. Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with Iman, blessed me with Islam, 
blessed me with being in the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa this is it for me. I don't need anything beyond this. I don't need anything apart from this. Then contentment will come in all the aspects of life. And when a person is truly content, the peace and happiness will automatically follow. For example, people buy things. Now they bought, for example, now a pair of shoes. So they bought one pair of shoe, then they bought a second one, then they bought a third one, then bought another, over time, another half a dozen. So now, over time, now there's one dozen pairs of shoes. Some people say that that's a very small number. Who keeps one dozen pairs? There's many dozen pairs. Allah knows best. So in any case, let me just take it one dozen. Now, one dozen pairs of shoes. Now, at any one time, at any one time, can a person weigh more than one pair of shoes? That now a person says, you know, I've spent so much of money wearing all, buying all these shoes, so today I'm going to wear one shoe, and in that I'm going to wear another shoe. Then somebody does something like that, then all the friends and family will all get together, they'll have a meeting, and they'll want to work out now, you know what, we all need to club in together and all need to put in some, contribute something and try to get this person's treatment sorted out wearing two shoes at one time. Nobody does that. Somebody who tries to do that, something is wrong with them. So at one time you can only wear one pair of shoe. So find one pair of shoe for some purpose or some kind of situation, another pair for some other thing, a third one for something else. Jello, one more, fourth one. That too, Allah Alam, what are we going to do with four? And at the most five, somebody got, fine, we can understand something. But when that is not the case, the person is not content with the three, four, five, subhanallah. Then, then even twelve won't be enough. And twenty-four won't be enough. And after thirty-six also, the person will be still looking at something else. Now imagine thirty-six pairs of shoes, if somebody has, and I am given to believe people have these kind of things. Allah knows, Allah Alam. So imagine 36 pairs of shoes, if a person wears one shoe every day, different shoe, the whole month will pass and still won't finish one cycle. And most of the time people, if they are not out somewhere, they are wearing that same old chumpels and walking around. So, what is this? This is that lack of contentment. After that 36 pairs also, the person still won't be, won't be content. After that one dozen cloaks and maybe two dozen cloaks, now there's no more place in that cupboard now to fit another one. So now we have to make more cupboards to put it in. But that still won't be enough. And there'll still be something further to buy to add to it. Why? The lack of contentment. And when there's no contentment, then you'll keep buying. And this contentment... The opposite of contentment is greed. So either there will be contentment or there will be greed. It cannot be that there is neither contentment nor greed. So the greed will carry on. I need to keep having something. That's a greed. We only understand greed to be that for example a person now is eating something now they are trying to eat everything up. So that's a greed in our child sometimes. Step him on the child mustn't be greedy or the child doesn't want to share some food with somebody else or share some 
item with somebody, so now we reprimand and scold that child, no, you've been greedy now. That is greedy, but we are also greedy. We got ten things of one, ten, ten types of cloaks now, but that's not enough. We need eleventh one. That's greed now. We got ten pairs of shoes and we want the eleventh one. And whereas that nine pairs haven't even been used more than a ti- one, two times. The, the sole hasn't yet become dusty. The under of the shoe, that too hasn't yet become dusty. Forget the top. But already that is not good enough. Now this too is a greed. And when the contentment goes, this greed will come. Or if the contentment hasn't been achieved, then this greed will remain. And the greed keeps a person forever in this miserable condition. Because no matter what you have, you're not satisfied. And the more you have, the more you want. There is one illness, it's called Ju'ul Bakar. In the kitabs this is discussed and mentioned, Ju'ul Bakar. Now, the old books of Hikmah, the Hakims, they discuss this. So this probably existed in that time, it even exists perhaps nowadays. Ju'ul Bakar, it's a kind of illness, but what the crux of it is, that no matter how much a person eats, his hunger doesn't go. Now maybe he can't eat anymore physically, he stuffed himself so much that he can't eat, but it's an illness that he's still not feeling satisfied, his hunger hasn't gone. So physically he stuffed himself to the point that he's getting sick now, but he's still feeling hungry. It's an illness. So one is this physical illness that somehow now whatever has happened, maybe the stomach and whatever signals the stomach is supposed to now send up to the brain that look, Enough now, I don't want any more, I'm, I'm full now. The stomach is full, but the signal going up is still I'm hungry. The person is drinking and drinking, the thirst is still not getting quenched. The signal somehow that is getting sent to the brain is that I'm still thirsty. So now he's trying to the full, he can't put in any more, one sip more, but the signal to the brain is that I'm still thirsty. So now he's still trying to... Still try to do some more. As a result, now he's vomiting now. Now, what kind of misery that creates? The person vomited and now he messed his clothes and messed everything around him. And then now people are looking at what's going on, feeling embarrassed also. But what was the result of this? That despite being full, but the hunger didn't stop. And despite being full, the thirst didn't get finished. So now the person is trying to still force feed. And as a result, it creates this embarrassment, creates this misery, creates this heartache creates all this problem and difficulty. But if he was content, he ate a little and he felt satisfied, then now he doesn't even want to eat more. And because he's content with whatever he managed to eat that little, so now he's not even looking at others eating and feeling, hey, but I'm missing out something. He said, I ate my full, I had my share, and I'm happy with that. So I don't need to be looking around at what others are doing. So he's fine, he's comfortable. So now when he's content, he's comfortable, it doesn't affect his health now because he's not force feeding himself and overeating. It doesn't create embarrassment because he's not spewing around. It doesn't create difficulty because he's not messing his clothes and messing his floor around. So he's in so much of peace, so much of comfort. And he's mentally at ease because he's not now in, in, in an anxiety mode that I missed out this and I missed out that and comparing himself elsewhere. So what is the root element of all this? Contentment. The person content, 
he's happy. There's a saying that a if a slave, a person who's a slave, or in those days there was slavery as well, people were owned. A person was a complete slave. He was owned by somebody. He could be bought and sold. And that's what used to happen. People used to buy slaves, sell slaves. He's a slave. See, but a slave is also free if he's content. And a free person is also a slave if he lacks contentment. That when a person lacks contentment, he becomes enslaved. He becomes enslaved in a different way. That person is a slave by being owned by somebody. But when he's content, within himself he's happy. Okay, I'm a slave, I'm owned by somebody. But fine, my whatever I'm eating, drinking, my life is carrying on. I'll do my work and life will carry on. So he's, he's peaceful within himself. And this person is a free person, but he's enslaved. I got to have that. And if I don't have it now, my mind is in turmoil. My heart is in turmoil. I must do that. If I don't go do it, my heart is in turmoil. Now I can't afford to do it. I must somehow make it happen. Now as a result, there's problems and difficulties. Now, one thing after another, and it never finishes off. It just does not finish off. And the person just keeps going from one thing to another. Then there's so many things, there's no place to keep it. But the happiness still hasn't come. Then the person is looking for storage space somewhere. Then the person can't even drive so many cars. He's just now from time to time just, he's switching it, he's uh, starting the engine to just warm it a little bit and switching it off. He can't even, can't even find the time to drive it. And just helping to get, getting some, hiring somebody to just keep it clean. And then once in a while he'll come out somewhere to take one. Now that is all the result of this lack of contentment. And this affects a person who might be having a lot of material things, it affects the person who got nothing. Contentment is a wealth that can be acquired by anybody and this is the real wealth. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says, Inna al-ghina, ghina nafs The true contentment, the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. The true wealth is the wealth of the heart. And that is the wealth of contentment. The person who has contentment is truly wealthy. Because the person is happy and the object of all the things people do by buying this and doing that ultimately is to be happy. And this person got it. There's one story. Maybe it was just a story for the moral. One person was lying down on a hammock. Now he's lying relaxing. Now... Somebody passed by, very, very intelligent person, a industrialist. He had a lot of degrees and very highly qualified. And uh, he passed by this person lying on the hammock. So he asked him, that, why are you wasting your time here? So he says, well, what, should you do? what should I do then? He says, well, do something. So he says, like, do something meaning what? He says, well, at least if you've got nothing else to do, go get, get one axe and go and chop some wood and sell the wood. So he says, well then, I'll sell the wood and then what? So he says, then you you sell that wood, you'll bring some income, then you sell, chop more wood and you sell that, more income will come. Then you'll be able to hire more people to start helping you to chop wood. So now you'll be chopping a lot of wood, you'll start, you'll be able to start wholesaling wood. Okay, very good. But then, he says, well then you'll start earning even more and then you'll be able to set up a kind of timber factory. Now you're just chopping wood and firewood, but now you'll be able to do it after wholesaling. Now you'll get one one level above. 
okay, timber factory and so on. Then after that, he says, well, then you'll earn even more. Then what? He says, then you can start becoming an exporter. You send it overseas as well. Says, then what? He says, then you'll be really very wealthy. And then what? He says, then you can relax. So this person asked him, but what am I doing now? I'm relaxing now. I'm busy relaxing and you want me to go around this whole chakra and come back to where I am now. <laughs> Just that I'm relaxing on a hammock now. You'll, you'll, in your mind you're visualizing relaxing in one five star something somewhere. For you that appears to be relaxation. For me this is it. I'm relaxing too. <laughs> so now you want me to go through this whole rigmarole and come back to the same point. Now that's probably somebody made up the story for the moral. But it definitely has a moral, a very great moral in it, that very often we go through a lot of fancy things to come back to what we already have, but in the process we destroy what we have. We already have that peace and comfort. Now we're trying to just make it more peaceful and comfortable in some different way, in the wrong way. As a result, what we have also gets lost. One person recently, he asked for some advice. And the advice was that he was living in a, uh, well, modest place, modest home, in a, well, average area, and so on and so forth. And then something came up, somebody advised him, somebody encouraged him, and so on. There was a good bargain, so to say. Now, the person didn't really need it, but there was a good bargain, so to say, in a more elite area. So, in any case, he... They told him, no, this is a bargain. And it was a cheap thing, for example, in the, in the light of whatever the values of the area were. So it was comparatively much cheaper than it would normally be. So he could afford it, so he bought it. So alhamdulillah, it wasn't that he took any kind of loan or whatever else. It was something within his means and he bought it. So in any case, he went to live there. Now he says, it's now barely two, three years that he is now living in that new place, new area. Alhamdulillah, he hasn't done anything wrong. He didn't do anything out of line. But he is just talking about his own situation. He's saying that now I just found everything has changed. Because now I'm here, I need to live up with the lifestyle of the people in this area. So one was I got a house for much cheaper than it would normally have been. Very good. That was a very good thing. But now suddenly, there's pressure from everybody at home that no, we also have to have this kind of car as well. And we have to have this kind of function as well. And we have to have this kind of other outings and whatever else, because everybody in this area is doing that. So now we have to live it up accordingly. So he says, that has turned my whole life upside down. And that peace and happiness that I had previously is gone. We've got more comfort and luxury, but we've got less peace and happiness. And now because... It's not always affordable. It's not always within means and budget. So now it starts creating conflict. Now it doesn't mean that anybody is living in a more wealthier area than there's a problem. But this is just this person's example, his personal example. That he is saying that he was far better off in that modest dwelling of his, in that average area income area than where he is currently because now he is being forced to keep up with a lifestyle that is not within his means and as a result is creating 
misery, it's creating hardship, it's creating conflict, it's creating all kinds of problems. Now, at the outset, it seemed like this was the best thing that happened for him. But for him, it turned out that it was not the best thing. It was far from the best thing. But supposing, supposing that that whole family moved into that area, well and good, fine, they got a nice place, excellent. But they were content with that. And who's doing what in the area doesn't matter. We live according to our means. We can't have the kind of car others have, so what? Allah has blessed us with something decent. We walk moving around. It's taking us from point A to point B. So why do we have to have something else? Which is not in our capacity, not within our means. If others are holidaying in a certain way, why does it make it necessary for us to also do the same? We don't have that means to travel somewhere. Fine, we won't travel. There are many people who don't have a place to stay, forget travel anywhere. So now if they were content, then even in that place too they would be happy. The happiness is not based on where you are. The happiness is based on what's inside you. So now this is a very essential lesson, the lesson of contentment. If a person is content, they'll be content in their lifestyle, they'll be content in their dressing, there won't be all the time that something new has come, I must have it, some brand label came, I must have it, because they're content, they're content with what is the correct way, the way of Rasulullah they won't be now chasing after the immodest styles, because they're content with what Allah Ta'ala has given us in the Quran Sharif, what Nabi Islam has given us in his way of life, they're content, they're not looking out, if the person is content, then they would not be now chasing after something or the other all the time. That somebody else is doing something, I must do it. Somebody is going somewhere, I must go somewhere. Somebody is going to a certain kind of restaurant and eating, I must also do this. Somebody, now, they won't be also following all the social media. The social media has become the biggest problem. Now we're following and people, people have all kinds of followers and Allah knows best what not goes on. Now we want to also follow what these people are doing and where they're going and how they're carrying on. But now I can't get left out. I also should start following. Follow the tariqah of Rasulullah Wasallam. That's the following. That's where we have to follow. Not all these people who giving us the guidance which don't take us towards what is, forget the uh, good of akhirat. It doesn't even bring the good of dunya for us. It brings misery. Because now it's just making a person chasing a certain lifestyle, chasing a certain pattern in which people are going in. That only creates problems, creates misery. So this is a very, very great wealth. The wealth of contentment. And if a person can gain this contentment, then he's really gained a tremendously great wealth. Innal ghina, ghina nafs. Nabi Islam says the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. The wealth of the heart in this context refers to the contentment of the heart. Person is content, person gained everything. So this is where we have to aspire to improve in. We have to make this effort to improve in this contentment. Keep thinking about the, num- the countless ni'mats and favors of Allah Ta'ala. Don't compare ourselves to others. Keep making shukr over what we have. And don't keep making that an objective that I must have this, I must have that, I must do this and do that in terms of all the kinds of things that people do for entertaining themselves and the luxuries that they chase after. What I must do is, I must obey Allah Ta'ala. 
That is the must that you must have. I must follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I must try and improve in my a'mal. I must try and improve my akhlaq. I must try and inculcate contentment. These are all the musts. This is what we have to t- try and move towards. And this is what will bring happiness. Because this is where Allah Ta'ala has kept it for us. Happiness is in contentment. Happiness is in taqwa. Happiness is in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Happiness is in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. This is where the happiness is. So, we should be making dua for this as well. Reading about the lives of those who truly had contentment. And what kind of lives they left. The Sahaba Ikram, the pious predecessors. And the fazail sadaqat the second part of it especially, this is a very, very great kitab, the whole kitab obviously, but for our purposes, if we just concentrate on the second volume also, that is a tremendously great uh, help, we read that properly, read it regularly, and inshallah it will inspire us to also start becoming content, and we'll see the happiness that will follow with it. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsithana an alayk. Anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. Allahumma iftah lana bil khair wa akhtim lana bil khair. Waj'al awaqiba umurina bil khair biyadika al khair. Innaka ala kulli shayin qadir. ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر مستعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله رب العالمين